0: Archons. Welcome to Sanctimonious, a Keyforge podcast where two zealous Keyforge players discuss various topics regarding combat within the Crucible. Stand at attention and salute your hosts, Sir Jake and Sir Dan.
1: Welcome back to Sanctimonious. This is a very special 20th episode edition of the show. Uh, I am joined by my co-host Dan Johnson.
0: What's up everybody?
1: And also very excited to be here with other Dan, Dan Smith. How's it going? Going all right.
0: All right. So in this episode today we're going to be talking, I am going to step back into the host chair and interview these two fine gentlemen as they got to go play in a little tournament called VT Collinsville. That's going to be our main topic today, but before we get to that, we're going to go ahead and do some announcements.
1: So this is a really exciting episode for a number of reasons, uh but one of those is this is our twentieth episode, which is a pretty big milestone uh, as far as podcasting goes. I feel like it is, anyway. I don't know how do you feel about that, Dan?
0: Really? I, th- I thought we just like started this like last week or something. Like really, twenty? We're legal? Like one more episode and we can drink?
1: (laughs) One more episode and we can drink. That's right. So we're not going to show this every single time, but maybe every five or ten episodes. I do want to mention that we have a Patreon. So if you find any enjoyment in this podcast at all, we love putting it together. You absolutely should feel no commitment to doing that. But if you have a little bit of spare change and don't mind sending it our way, we would very much appreciate that. And I want to send a special thanks to all of our current backers. We have 12. They're funding us. Uh, I think it's up to $63 a month, which is you know more than we expected when we got started doing this.
0: <laughs> By $62. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, a huge thanks to those guys and girls who are currently sponsoring us.
0: Yes. Thank you.
1: If you want to add to us, I mean, $1 is 25 cents an episode. Four is a dollar an episode. Uh, so whatever we th- you think this adds in terms of value to your life and you want to show us some love, that is a great way to do it.
0: Zero, and you're still listening, and we still appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you, Archons. My turn. I've got the next two. The next two are mine. They're mine. Mine, Jake. Mine. Yeah? That's good with me. Okay. He was taking a drink of his beer. I heard it. I heard the end of that <laughs> ear, like that soothing, yeah. I'm trying
1: something new this week.
0: <laughs> the Sanctimonious League Season 2 has begun. Uh, we have 72 people signed up for the League. Uh, my mind is officially boggled. Thank you everybody for participating. It is a triad, Archon triad, as that is a VT coming up in Vegas here at the beginning of October. So I kind of rushed the beginning. I was kind of hoping to wrap up season one before we started season two but uh, a number of the people that signed up for the league are playing at vt vegas and so i wanted to get the league started for them so they can have some practice running archon triad so the signup's over so if you missed it that is unfortunate but we do have four people on a wait list and if we can get that number to six i will gladly open just kind of a funsy league like a secondary league for those six people because we have six six person groups right now so I am happy to open up another Funzy League so those six people can actually get some Archon Triad experience. But if you do want to play some Archon Triad, uh, hit us up on Twitter. I'll probably give it a little while. Like, uh, PM me on Twitter, on the at Sanctimonious or at Dan someone. And I can go ahead and throw you on that waiting list. And if we get enough people, which we should, we're super close already to having another group. So... I'll just add you guys in a side tournament so you can get some Archon Triad experience as well. All right. Uh, and then super, super exciting. We are on Inked Gaming now. We are an artist. We are not the artist. So I want to give a huge thanks <laughs> <laughs> to Behawk. To Shapesation, who has also made our sweet new logo that we've been using recently. Um, both those guys put together some very, very excellent mats. Thank you, Alex, a.k.a. the Nick of Slots, as well, for originally designing our original one and kind of getting this whole thing kick-started. And then, uh, I guess... A help from future self. Thank you, Blake. Blake is still developing some designs. So right now, I think we've got four different designs out on the website in various colors, and uh, they're pretty amazing. So Inked Gaming, we'll probably throw a link to that in the show notes.
1: Yeah, we'll definitely link to it. And I mean, I'm just blown away by how cool these designs look. I know this sounds like a total shill move, but like I'm picking one up for me. Uh, and they're just sweet. So I, you definitely take a look at them. Uh, in the spirit of full disclosure, I think we do receive something like $2 back from whatever is purchased. So uh, if you do pick one up, you'll be supporting us both by representing your sanctimonious pride and also we get a little kickback off of those.
0: Indeed. All right. last one I think is yours. I think you got some questions at VT Collinsville about the sanctimonious team that has been killing it.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I guess this is less an announcement and more just like a mini topic, but A lot of people were curious about the Sanctimonious team as it appeared. A bunch of people in uh, blue Sanctimonious shirts are doing well at Vault Tours, both here and Lady Aurora did really well uh, in the Krakow Vault Tour, as you heard on our last episode. So people were curious about the team. And uh, I didn't really have a super great answer for them at at the time. But we kind of came back and put our heads together about sort of like what this is. And I think it really does differ from the way that these other teams that you know of, like Reap Out and Team SAS, uh, Deluxe Luxury Playstyle or whatever are structured in that like we really want to be a community first.
0: Yeah. So I was talking to uh, Sky Jedi about this. We were kind of talking about it just earlier today um, because this topic was going to come up and we were just chatting about something else. And he's like, yeah, you guys are more like a community team. And I was like, community team. <laughs> because it truly is. Like, we have, there's no private chats. There's nothing. Everything's out in the open on the Discord. Like, anybody that wants to stop by and chat and talk discussions or just, you know, we've got a Vault Tour prep channel where people can try their Vault Tour decks against each other. And I just, I know going into Collinsville, um, I unfortunately couldn't go because it's like halfway well everything's like halfway across the country for me because i'm on the furthest west part of the the united states but i know i jammed a lot of games with a bunch of the different people going and just playing my best decks against their decks that they were looking at taking just so they'd get a feel and i'm doing that now for a few other people for vt vegas we're doing some archon triad practice and yeah we just really enjoy playing the game and playing at high levels um and just helping each other out so yes the sanctimonious community. community
1: And that's just a small portion too, of like the larger community of people that are popping in our Discord. You know, ranging from very, very top level competitive players to new players, people that just enjoy the game purely casually, and that's fine. There's no. I mean, everyone who wants to associate with Sanctimonious, like wants to pick up a play mat, wants to get in on the next shirt order, which I had many requests for at the Vault Tour, like that is fantastic. Uh, it's just a community where you can get as involved as you want. And I think that's probably a good place to leave that.
0: Yep. <laughs> you too can be on Team Sanctimonious. All right. So that brings us to our main topic. Jake and Dan. Day the Archon at Collinsville. Congratulations, sirs. Thank
1: you. Thanks a lot.
0: You're welcome. <laughs> really quick, big shout out. Uh, ben the Monkey also day 2'd, and he so graciously allowed Jake to beat him. Um, <laughs> and even more gracious as he was running Alex's deck when Alex didn't think he could go to the event um, so that he could use it, and then Alex did end up being able to go to the event, but still... Man of his word, let Ben run it and become the third person to Day 2 of Vault Tour with Senbrow. That deck is ridiculous. Um, and other Sanctimonious Discordians, we had Beehawk, uh, They Who Sha'n't Be Named, Atomic Ducky, Nick of Slots, Ragnarok Rose, aka Getty, Cloggin, Miggy9001, Mark Pegaz, Izawa Moe, Eileen, Skunkwitch, and then a couple of uh, special guests in our Discord, we have Dave Cordero from Reap Out and Eric aka Justice Blinded from Team SAS that were all in attendance there and hang out in the cord. So congrats guys on everybody's finishes and sounds like it was a great time getting to hang out with so many Discordians in one place.
1: Absolutely. It was super cool uh, seeing a lot of these people for the second time, meeting a lot of people uh, for the first time. And we should mention uh, that Eric, uh, Justice Blinded, also managed to top eight the event. So Congrats to him as
0: well. Sweet, sweet. All right, let's get into it. Um, I've got a list of questions here to ask these two, so I'm just going to grill them, and we're going to see if we can't pry any good information so the rest of us have a chance of day someday. All right, uh, let's kick it off. Let's start with our special guest, Dr. Sheep, Dan. How did you select the deck you used for the event? Were there any traits, cards, or stats you were particularly looking for?
2: Uh, well, that deck was originally just part of the triad that I brought to Schomburg. It wasn't even my first pick of deck but it's the one i got knocked into and went seven one getting to day two there so it quickly showed itself to be my best deck um it's got the highest arc score of anything i own it's just got a lot of steel some really big burst steel and then great control and dis to to lock the other the other guy out
0: nice and what's the name of the deck that you were running
2: the woman that has the alley <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so that is Dish shadows and what's your third house
2: untamed
0: untamed yeah that's that's pretty strong and it i believe it's coda correct
2: yeah it's coda yep it's a really early print run deck and the untamed is arguably bad but not too bad
0: <laughs> sure sure no the uh, the the dis shadows from what i remember is pretty pretty salty so um, Jake what deck did you select for the event and what was there anything in particular you were looking for and running for your vt deck
1: um sure so I maybe don't have as large of a collection of top tier decks as some in our discord so <laughs> it was pretty easy for me to narrow down to three being the the only three I own that I felt like were potentially vt quality uh so my process was to post those in the sanctimonious discord deck evaluation and ask people what i should play it's true alex Slatnick got back to me right away and said you should play nimrod of crown Jeer. and i said alex Slatnick's really smart i think i'll play nimrod of crown Geer.
0: <laughs> i think i told you to play nimrod too and you're like i don't know i really like this other one than alex says and you're like okay yep <laughs> <laughs> no
1: quite a few people i think Beehawk also gave me recommendations i got a lot of good advice but almost all of them pointed towards that deck. Yeah. Um, and I knew I wasn't going to have that much time to really t- play test um, just being busy generally. So it was important for me to pick one early on the process and sort of stick with it through thick and thin. So I was doing all my play testing with the same deck.
0: Sure. And that's a coded deck as well. So it was problem. What is it? What is that? What's in that deck?
1: It's shadows logos untamed. Um, <laughs> nice. And it's, it's uh I don't know should I talk about the deck a little bit too uh sure essentially the shadows is just all steel cards so it's got two routine jobs three restless whispers and two nerve blasts so it's just got tons of just straight up steel so that's kind of the backbone of the deck that allows me to survive long enough to just do ridiculous combo stuff with the other houses I've got uh in logos it's like a really crazy library access combo deck where that has phase shift and wild wormholes that just string together massive uh, library access turns. And then in the untamed side of things, it has Nature's Call, Dust Pixie, Fuzzy Gruin, Full Moon, Witch of the Eye to just generate just massive piles of amber in a single turn. Uh, so it really plays like a combo deck. And I think doing that episode on archetypes really helped me out because after that, I started thinking of the deck in a new light as less of a racing deck and more of a a sort of a combo strategy. And like once I shifted the outlook I was thinking of the deck in and started playing it as a combo deck more than a racing deck, like my win rate just went up like crazy. Like I was two and two and six in the competitive room on TCO. And then after that episode I literally had a ten game win streak. So it was crazy just like how that kind of clicked with me. (laughs) And the deck started just working so much better.
0: Very nice. And Dan, what was kind of the general game plan of your deck? What was, what was the situations you were trying to set up with that deck?
2: Just let them make some amber and then take it. <laughs> <laughs> and turn it into your own keys. And then, yeah. you know, it's got pretty good targeted removal. So you can deal with the, the real tough creatures that they put down. And then again, you just take their amber and burst a little bit and finish it out.
0: All right. So that kind of covers the first couple of questions. So let's play some, uh, let's play some remember that time when, so what were some of those memorable game moments for you, Jake, in the, in the first day of the vault tour? Are there any games that really stick out or any plays that you were able to make or have made against you that just kind of stand out?
1: So just to set the stage, I think, I don't know what the final number of people were at the vault tour Collinsville. Dan, do you happen to know what it was? So just under 70 people. Um, but like the crowd was just ridiculously tough. I think on uh, uh, my my friend Dave Duncan, who is the head like marshal of the event or the head judge of the event, posted some pictures on Facebook. They were like showing there were like something like twelve different teams with their own shirts and stuff in attendance, including sanctimonious. So even though it was a small number of people, it seemed like almost everyone there was a really competitive and skilled player. So you know, starting with round one, I. Played against, uh, uh, I can't remember the the person's name. It might have been it might have been Corey, but he was a Team Reapout member at the Team Reapout shirt. So that was like sort of disheartening to you know sit down in round one and realize that you know okay this is just going to be a fight <laughs> the whole way through. So I mean that game was super close coming down to the last turn. I mean the second game, same thing. Like one turn, you know, I just it's just like almost any of my games. I think I had one game that I felt comfortable in and the rest of them like literally could have gone either way on day one. Uh, So I just ran good overall. So the one game I would want to get into, I guess, was I played uh, Kira Mode from Bouncing Death Quark Podcast in the fourth round. We were both three and oh going into it. He played, um, I believe it was a Sanctum, Mars and Shadow list that play that had i think it had too much to protect and two copies of doorstep to heaven which is just a total nightmare matchup for my deck that generally wants to generate lots of amber at once so it, that was that was just like a tremendously difficult matchup throughout i think i got a little bit fortunate where he he might have like played uh, "doorstep to heaven" for one amber on the first turn of the game or first couple turns of the game, so that kind of got rid of one of those cards that I had to look out for. And, and it was just it was a totally even game back and forth. I think both players played really well, and it kind of got to this pivotal moment where he had no cards left in his deck, and so I knew for sure he had a "doorstep to heaven" in hand, and I was able to go to check. Playing a library access turn, I played a wild wormhole, and off the wild wormhole, I hit a mimicry, which was just the best possible card because I was able to copy his control of the week to put him on Mars <laughs> oh, uh, to yes. to stop him from yeah to stop him from being able to take me off the key. Uh, and then on top of that, I was able to play that same turn a bouncing death quark, basically clearing the board to really reduce the chance of him having anything to stop me in Mars because I knew he had a psychic network in the deck as well and that it did end up being the pivotal moment and I won the game off of that play and he showed me he, he was you know justifiably disappointed I think it was a pretty feel-bad moment for the him and he showed me his hand he was he had the psychic network the doorstep to heaven and he also had a lash of <laughs> Or maybe maybe he didn't know. He had maybe it was uh, dis instead of shadows. But he had so he had the lash of broken dreams on the on the board. So it's like he had all Answers. my outs were covered. Yeah, he right. had every answer in every house. Like the only way I was able to win that turn was off of the control of the week to Mars and clearing his Mars creatures off the board. And I was able to do both for the win. So that was just like a totally crazy game against a super good opponent and it felt very good to win nicely
0: done no that's that's pretty sweet the wild wormhole can be your best friend or it can be your merkins
1: (laughs) right absolutely
0: (laughs) jake has a bad history with merkins
1: literally my first turn um in round one I played wild wormhole into key charge to lose that one amber and I was just like is this how my day is gonna go but like like literally from that point on I just had good luck and ran really hot so nice got it out of the way early
0: all <laughs> right Dan do you have any memorable games from day one as you cruise through to a day two? Oh, what was your final record Jake what'd you end up
1: so I ended up actually going 5-0 to secure my way in I was one of two 5-0s and then I end up losing in the last round, uh, to a really good player named Andy. Um, so I ended up five one.
0: Nice. All right, Dan, memorable moments from day one.
1: I had a pretty good set of matchups
2: for my deck. I was able to really just kind of high roll and didn't have too many problems getting until I was 4 four Oh. And that's when I ran into Andy and I had that game and I lost it on time.
0: Oh man.
2: I got a hard warning. Cause I was pretty frustrated. Uh, at the end of that game. But I'd set my Amber up. I'd controlled the weak Tim into a house. He couldn't take me off key. And they called time at that point. And he was able to generate enough Amber that when we both forged at the same time for our third keys, he had one left over.
0: Ugh, oh, brutal.
2: No, so, five seconds. Um, but <laughs> so it goes, but I also round three, I got to play Alex.
0: Nice. You got to face the substantial Holden, his double battle fleet key abduction deck with I think triple mothers. At least double mothers. He likes himself for mothers.
2: I know I hit some Mars guys with toxin and I think that might have just been enough to slow him down so he couldn't really do it. And then in the fourth round, I was on stream with uh a friend John who also plays up in my local area, so that was kind of fun. Yeah, so it was it was a good day one. Uh it would have been nice to have had that one because then Jake and I would have been going going at it for the 6-0 slot, but time got me in that one.
0: Definitely, definitely that yeah, it's brutal. All right. So, I mean, that kind of wraps up day one. So after day one finished, did you guys do any special preparation? Did you do any look at who you might be matched up against, find out what you're playing against, do any kind of formulation of game plans for day two? Nope. I put my (laughs) deck
2: away, got something else out, and went and
1: played in team. (laughs) Jake? Yeah, well, so I knew I was playing at that point, since there's only exactly eight people that made day two. Um, It was very easy to see what the bracket was going to be. So I was the second place person. So I was going to be playing against the seventh place person, which unfortunately (laughs) was um, our friend Ben from Team Sanctimonious playing Senbrow, a deck that I'm very familiar with. And in fact, like on Friday, uh, Ben had made it up early and I I was there as well playing side events. And we played just a couple of practice games uh with him on send and me on nimrod and he absolutely destroyed me uh like i think i forged one key in both games and it's basically just like walked away from it like well i hope i don't have to play you so at that point (laughs) i I was like you know at that point i was like well you know i had a good run and (laughs) so i didn't think too much about it i uh I, did, I ended up playing teams, and I tried to convince people to go get a beer with me to celebrate. Nobody wanted to,
0: so then I just went home. <laughs> Sad. Poor Jake.
1: Yeah, everyone, kept, everyone wanted to play a third event after a full Vault Tour and a teams event. So, I mean, credit to them. But I was, yeah. I was exhausted and wanted to, you know, uh, relax a little bit before day two.
0: No, that's smart. That's smart. Yeah, so I guess that question kind of landed pretty hard. Um, <laughs> but I will say like other people had different
1: strategies. So I saw Eric Taylor, just this blinded, uh, sitting there with his laptop open, like literally with scraps of paper proxying, uh, his, who his opponent, uh, was George in the next round. And like, so, I mean, different people were taking it much more seriously, uh, than we were, I suppose. So, <laughs> like there are other, like, you know, if you get there, like, I mean, I was impressed, like credit to him. Uh, for doing that, I mean, I think that's definitely something that is best practice. If you got that
2: far, yeah, I think Justice Blind had twenty practice games in against against yep. gasoline coming in that morning because with his proxy deck.
0: Wow, that's that's dedication. And then uh, uh, spoiler alert: yeah, he didn't didn't get there. <laughs> the gasoline was just too hot, just on fire. Let's get into day two. So obviously, spoiler alert: a little bit that Jake has. Not had a great matchup against Sembrow. He's matched up against Sembrow game one. And what happens, Jake? What happens? I mean, I don't know if Ben feels the same, but like this was
1: just totally an incredible game from start to finish. So I think I played the deck maybe something like six times before, including those practice games and then playing against Alex Slotnick on the Crucible. Um, and I, I was 0-6 against it. But... That also did give me some experience. You know, I'm very familiar with the deck and I knew like it was possible to win going into the game. Um, And I knew like in order to win, I would need to hit my uh, Untamed early and generate a lot of Amber early on because in all those games, what's happened is like Senbrow is just a little bit faster than mine. Although my deck uh, Nimrod looks like a racing deck, it's really not. And the longer the game goes, the better chance I have of winning the game which I think was a big advantage to me throughout the tournament of people sort of misreading what my deck was trying to do. So I knew what I needed to do, and that really helped me in playing the game. I also sort of had learned that one of the biggest strengths of my deck is the triple Relentless Whispers, which is a Shadows card. You gain one Amber, deal two damage to a creature, and if it destroys that creature, steal one. It's like an incredibly strong card against like 90% of what the meta is doing. But Senbrow, I think, only has, like, two targets that I can kill right off the bat, plus double Bulwark to make that even more difficult. So, like, having those in my head, like, I think in some of those earlier edition, like iterations of that match, I'd probably held on to those cards too long, like, trying to chain them together to kill something. But this time, I've kind of, like, learned, like, I just need to just play these for that one Amber and, like, not try and, like, do anything too fancy. Just, like, get them out of my hand. So I, I think, like those previous games had helped me so as we're playing playing the game he goes up to you know like nine amber really early on and on my turn i have the untamed cards i need to generate like four amber and f- get up to seven and forge a key with key charge which is something that i don't always do early in the game um, i'm not a huge proponent of playing key charge early on a lot of the time
0: <laughs> we had an osam about that
1: But, like, also having talked to Alex about, like, how important it is to forge first key, even though I knew he was forging a key on his next turn and I couldn't stop that, I thought, like, you know, this changes things in some way. Like, just getting that first key, which I had never done before in the matchup, as far as I know, like, to me, it sort of, like, signaled that, like, something is different about the way this is playing out than the way previous games have played out. So, like, even if, like, for nothing other than just, like, Sort of like the symbolism of it. Like I did go for the key charge there, and and I think that uh, did kind of help me out later on in the game. So that was like the first the first sim sign I knew that like something different happening is possible. Uh, the second pivotal moment was uh, Ben deciding to play a speed sigil, and I think in in hindsight he's sort of said this was a mistake or or, or realized. Uh, it was a mistake, but that ended up being like absolutely crucial for me because I have uh witch of the eye in my deck and he doesn't. He's generally like getting an extra amber off of it. Whereas like for me, it can set up like these enormous plays. So I think if he doesn't play speed sigil, then I still don't win. Um, and it's certainly far from a guarantee that I can win that matchup since he did play it. But that was like the second thing that sort of like just like opened the door a tiny bit more to give me a chance. Nice. So the game keeps going, and I think he he definitely I think he gets to two keys uh, before me, and then but then at that point, I see my line, so it's like two key to one, and I draw my Witch of the Eye. I play, and I've I play Witch of the Eye, active use it right away uh, to reap return Nature's Call to my hand returning my dust pixie fuzzy Gruen, and witch of the eye um
0: yeah I see where this is going i
1: think i did play full moon this turn also so i'm gaining an amber from each creature so i just generate like a pile of amber right and normally i would always also play uh the witch of the eye and i almost did yep. but because speed sigil was out and i i realized like my, the way I win this game is by not playing the Witch of the Eye so I can play it. You know, I'm sitting there with like, you know, like <laughs> literally I think I had 20 Amber. And I play the next turn I can play. I realize I can play Witch of the Eye, use it to return my key charge right. from earlier in the game for the win. Uh, so I pass back to him with Witch of the Eye in my hand. And he goes, he thinks it through. Uh, he, I, think he's, I think he even says out loud, like, I think you win. Um, and he's thinking about his play and he declares logos as his house. And I, at that moment when he played logos, I knew I won the game cause I know there's nothing in his deck on logos that can take me off of my, pl- my play to win the game. And then he goes, wait, you win if I play logos. Um, I'll play, I'll, I'll, I'll do shadows and we have like judges sitting at our table at this point. So I kind of like look to the judge, like, is that, you know, okay. And the judge looks to me and is like, it's up to you, man. Like he hasn't played any cards and I'm like, and I, I do, I take a second to think about it. Cause I mean, I mean, he declared the house. Like I know I win the game, but ultimately I decided to, you know, be, I think what I would have done at any other point in the tournament, which is he didn't play any cards to let him play shadows but that was honestly like i hate to admit it was like tough it was honestly tough for me to do that as just like a super competitive person and, and with the stakes so he plays shadows he plays he has the miasma to make it so i don't win on my next turn and i like literally like added the four cards face down but didn't even look at them because i knew my next play for sure was untamed so then like you know so he forges to go up to two key, or I think he forges to go up to two keys right there and gets up to six amber. So I, then I like peel my hand back knowing like if I have Miasma, uh, I win the game. If I don't, I lose. And I did draw into the Miasma nice. to stall for one more turn. And then I was able to win with the Witch of the Eye and the key charge play on the
0: following turn. High drama in the first round of some sanctimonious on sanctimonious crime. So yeah.
1: So I know it was long winded, but it was it was a really exciting game.
0: No, and Sembra was kind of like, I don't know, he's highly thought of in our <laughs> in our Discord. Somebody new just joined the other day, and we were talking about Sembra. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I met them yet. I'm like, oh, it's not a him, it's a deck. <laughs> it's a deck that makes the rounds.
1: Honestly, that like for me really validated everything because like on day one I got lucky uh, and knew I was just running so well. So I kind of was like, okay, well I'm just gonna lose to this top deck and like it's great that i made a top eight but i don't know but like to actually like get that win in top eight over this crazy vault tour deck that's now you know in three top cuts of vault tours with my deck like to me really validated the deck and my play for the whole time so it was it was a exciting moment
0: well done sir well done so I guess we didn't say this, but so they only cut to a top eight. We had three Sanctimonians in the top eight, which is amazing. So well done. And there was actually a path that we could have had two Sanctimonious people in the final. And uh, yeah, spoilers. We didn't get there. We got half. <laughs> we got halfway there. We got close. We got halfway there. So Dan, how did your first round go? Like how was how the only best of one match on the day for you? Uh,
2: I played a Luke and it was a untamed Brobnar logos maybe i guess i don't remember the third house wow no shadows could have been shadows i don't yeah i don't actually remember but it was a big bursting uh um untamed house and then it kind of counted on uh iron obelisk but the iron obelisk just never came up in our game so you know variants he made a bunch (laughs) of amber i took a bunch of amber and turned it into keys and no obelisk came to stop me so it's just you know Kind of a bad draw on their part, and my draw was fine. So
0: nice. So there's two sides of a coin. So there's one best of one game in uh, (laughs) Jake's fashion, and there's one in Dan's fashion. So that, (laughs) yeah, it was, uh, there wasn't, I mean,
2: they played a huge like 12 or 15 amber turn or whatever out of Untamed. It was real big, but it was just not enough because my deck can steal a lot of amber when it needs to. So, But I, I also practiced against Sembrau and couldn't find a win either. <laughs> so I was I was not looking forward to that matchup. Um, although we did play a practice game in the morning, I did get a victory that day in practice. So, I don't know, Ben was having a tough day with Sembrau for day two. And on the drive home, he was, he was real broken up about playing that uh, speed signal because he knew that was the mistake that... <laughs> close that game
0: for him. yeah that's rough uh, yeah like anytime so n- note to note to everybody out there if you have speed sigil in your deck and your opponent has a witch of the eye it's probably going to be an auto discard that <laughs> speed sigil because that's just not gonna in the long run that's just gonna it's gonna hurt like the witch of the eye with speed sigil feels so good so yeah note to future future opponents out there future pilots of speed sigil decks all right so at this point the top four cut for vt collinsville goes to best of three not adaptive just straight best of three so play your deck best two out of three which is so good i really like this a lot like i mean i i wouldn't mind if it was like top eight played that way but i I will take it best of four is even better so like once you get to that that point you at least aren't going to get knocked out by variance so let's start with you first this time dan how did your best of three match go
2: well it's nice going into my best of three. I was up against uh Andrew Kaufman again, who got me on time the day before. <laughs> so it was it was time for revenge. Yes. But, um terms of returns. Yeah, I took I took it two oh and but he was playing a deck that had double effervescent principle and to burn the stockpiles. So I uh, like anytime you'd make amber, he'd just take it away. So you had to be able to shoot for eleven amber or more. To close those games out so, i mean it was it was tough but i mean my deck really had all the answers his his was pretty creature heavy the creatures were important and i got a hysteria and a life ward combo yep. uh, with a nep seed to recur the life ward sometimes <laughs> you know that kind of stuff can I like it just stop them long enough that you just get a big lead and finish it but it felt good to Win those game two O's after the loss. Um, although our two games still took us like an hour and ten minutes to get through, and they were <laughs> they were long because he just takes all your amber and throws it in the garbage.
0: <laughs> I've got a deck like that, right. and that's probably the reason I'd never take it to yeah. a tournament. Is just because the double effervescent principle just grinds the game out for so long. Yeah, you need high level play in order to get a deck like that through, just to kind of keep the pace of play up.
1: Well, I think you the. I think they only put 90 minutes on the clock for a best of three when you got 90 or you got 35 minutes for your best of ones throughout the tournament. So that might be like a small change, but like if, 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 if you guys had gone to a game three, it would have been kind of a disaster because there's no way that there was any chance of it finishing, finishing. So you'd be both sort of playing to like a tie scenario, which would be kind of weird if you're going into this top four match, knowing there's only 10 minutes to play. Like, I don't know yeah
0: no there's there's a discussion out there too on how long a best of three should really take
1: yeah i think it's one thing it's one thing if it would be like uh multiple rounds of best of three but like once you get that far in the tournament like if anything it should maybe even just be like on time yeah on time doesn't work in
2: tournament play because of golden key imps and hearts to the forest and some other stuff that oh, can right. just make a game never end
0: truth truth good points all good points, and unfortunately, good counterpoints as well. All right, so <laughs> you're into the final, so we did it. We got half of sanctimonious there. Jake, are you going to join him?
1: Yeah, I did not, <laughs> and uh, I won't be as I won't be as long-winded about this. I don't I don't think anyway. But uh, this game was streamed, so if you're interested, uh, you can go check that out on the Wookies Twitch channel. Um, so I was playing against George on his previous vault tour winning deck gasoline what maximiliano or yeah, something. something like
0: that so it's so just to kind of give a background so he won uh, vt chicago or schomburg uh with this deck and that was back in the days when it was a fully functioning lands deck so library access Nepency now with the library access nerfed uh the deck has morphed and i've been told by somebody in his local play area that since he's had to morph away from the Library Access and the pen Seed, he's actually done better with the deck. The deck's almost become more powerful because he's not trying to sandbag Logos cards. He just he plays his Library Access turn to get a big hand of discards. And then he has, I think it's three Control the Weeks? It's at least two Control the Weeks. And he's got a Nep Seed. So he can Control the Week and restrain Guntus um, back to back to back. And that's just kind of how he close out closes out games. He just controls the Weeks three or four turns in a row. And <laughs> there's just not a lot you can do when you're locked into a house that you don't have anything you can do so yeah he's uh, become more adept at piloting a deck that was supposedly nerfed <laughs> by getting rid of lands so jake is that kind of what happened to you sir
1: yeah so the first game started out go- like really great i was doing very well in the game way ahead on amber and key. i had at least one key uh It might have been like two keys to one or one key to zero, but I also had like a pile of amber. So I was feeling pretty good. Uh, The pivotal moment came when I had a hand of five uh, Shadows cards. And I was probably halfway through my deck. Um, And so I know Restring Gundis is a thing in the deck. So the most important thing about playing against that, which I'm very aware of, is uh, you need to have an answer in two houses. So I had five Shadows cards and one uh, Logos card, and that card was Bouncing Death Quark. So great, that's my answer. He had a Assault Bear, I think ancient it's called, bear. that had two... Ancient Bear uh, with two Assault 2. And so it had three damage on it, so I could pick it off with my Relentless Whispers. I'd love to ask George if this if he like intentionally attacked into my Niffle 8 just as bait, which wouldn't surprise me. Uh, but anyway... So it, it like was a perfect target to steal Amber uh, with my Relentless Whispers. So I was playing Shadows anyway. I basically had to based on the composition of my hand. And I had the choice of holding on to Relentless Whispers and keeping that Bouncing Death Quark so that I would be able to answer Restringentus, which he had already archived two cards in the game. And I felt pretty good that he had Restringentus. But on the other hand, my deck has five Uh, Shadows kill spells and four were still in my deck out of like, you know, I don't know, somewhere between like 18 and 16 cards or something. So in drawing five cards, I felt like I had a very good chance of just drawing into another one anyway. Um, And then on top of that, I thought that because of the composition of my deck, like there, it's very unlikely that he would call logos with Restringentus anyway. Uh, because there are just so many answers in Shadows. Um, and playing against people before with dentists, like they almost always look at my list and just like snap call Shadows. Um, so anyway, I just ultimately decide like with all that in mind to go ahead and play the Relentless Whispers, hoping to draw into one, and hoping if I don't that George will make the wrong decision. Uh, turns out you should probably not bank on <laughs> previous Vault Tour winners for making the wrong decision uh, because he... On the next turn, I, I ended up drawing into four Logos cards, which was very unfortunate. He plays the Restring Guntas on the next turn, which I suspected he had, calling Logos, and then it was just kind of a slow death from that point on. So I'm not really sure if it was like objectively wrong, the line I took, but clearly if I had it do over again, uh, I think, you know, being as far ahead in the game as I was, uh, I do think it was, I made a mistake in playing that out. And then game two is just. He just high rolled me, had the control the week
0: lock very early on and there was absolutely nothing I could do. Yeah, I know watching that game. Uh, I was watching that streaming that morning and God, I was so excited cuz you you were you were like out there, you were like ahead. And it was like it was going so well and then all of a sudden he made that call and it was just like you're just plunking one card and it's like, "Oh, no." And then he starts cycling his control of the weeks to even further reduce what you can call and yeah it was it was rough to watch it was unfortunate
1: i did make uh really <laughs> the other thing i made a good play which was I, I one of the one card i had was a mimicry and i caught looking at his discard pile he had four untamed cards um or sorry he had four discards and a three fates with restringus being one power i couldn't kill it <laughs> with the three fates which really sucked but like It would have really potentially delayed the game a lot and given me much more time to find my answer. Uh, So I had a really tough call between playing the Three Fates and a Wild Wormhole, uh, thinking that the Wild Wormhole gives me a chance of just hitting one of my Shadow's Kill Spells on the spot, or if there's like a a Logos card on top of my deck, I don't lose. And I ultimately decided to play the Wild Wormhole, and I hit uh, Library Access on top of it. So that actually did give me Two more chances to draw a card, but unfortunately I didn't draw an out before my 6th Logos card.
0: Unfortunate. So yeah, so Gasoline makes it, George makes it to the final to meet our very own Dan, Dr. Sheep in the final, best of three. Um, Did you have any experience against this deck going in, Dan? Zero. Zero. Did you know of the deck?
2: Yes, I was at Schaumburg as well, so...
0: But you saw the library access Nepent seed version, not the library or the Nepent seed control the week version.
2: (laughs) Yeah, we got to watch the boring version of this deck play where you just kind of sit there across from him and he tracks his rule of sixes and just OTKs. (laughs) You know, yeah, it was not fun to watch. It wasn't even fun to watch,
0: but yeah. Yeah, no, this, I mean, the way he piloted it now, I mean, you don't want to be across the table from it. But like watching it on stream, it's just like, wow, he just set that up so perfectly. And I mean, there's just not a lot you can do. So tell us about your games like your games were, man, they were was so good. It was so good. The stream is so good. Go back and watch the stream. Yeah, the games between you and him were super close. It was such a good game. So take us through it a little bit. Tell us, tell us some of the high points, some of the decision points that kind of stick out to you from those three games. Sure. Yeah, so
2: I've George is also fairly local to me, so I've seen him at some other events, so I know him a little well, so he's actually probably one of the easiest people I've ever played with. He's he's very laid back, he's not he's not real high stress like some of the other games are. So it was very comfortable and easy to play these games. So that made him a lot more fun. Good. Um but when you're talking about his deck and its control and the double control of the week with an append seed to trigger it a third time and that's three turns of doing nothing is is often pretty close to closing a game out. But on top of that, he's got the Fogify and the Fog Bank and the Skippy the Time Hog. So even when he's not telling you what you have to play, he's just telling you a bunch of stuff that you're not allowed to play.
0: And <laughs> yes. it's
2: just so much control in that deck. It's Yep. It can be really hard to deal with. And game no. one was going fine until he, you know, I couldn't pop the Penn seed, So then he got into the control of the week cycle and you know, that's just the end of a game that's really hard to deal with. This
0: is how good his calls were. So, like, I mean, so you had a lash out, and he still controlled the weak to you three times into this, even though you have lash out, just because he knew, like, the call was right, like you had no other cards. I mean, your cards just stayed on the table. You tapped lash three turns in a row and he won like it was such a good call like that's like not the obvious call because you're like oh then i have to get to nine but he just i mean he was fine getting to nine i think he had like three or four disc creatures out at that point and a dominator bobble so i think he was reaping for like four or five a turn it was something like that and then yeah like that's some high iq play hats off to you salute
2: yeah it was it's tough if he gets his if he gets his lockdown i mean you do what you do you try to keep variety in your hand and variety on the board but that doesn't always work out game two he started with both his control the weeks in the hand it turned out so like he was in a bad position from the start there so i kind of just rolled him in game two i won three keys to one without really ever having to do much it was great because he just he got he got his lock stuff early so it it wasn't able to put me down
0: remember remember that time in that game when you when you had the speed sigil out and then you played nexus and used his the pent seat against him yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm going Harley, old school, Chris yeah. here.
2: I think that trap is what killed me in the third game, though.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, the third game. Oh man! So tell us about this third game. Like it was, man.
2: Ah, ah. That third game was hard fought. Yes. Um. Yeah you know, i I had pretty good control. I felt really good the first half of that game. I had the amber. I had the board control. Everything's more or less going my way. And then that first time Skippy the Time Hog rolls around, and he just shuts me down from being able to do anything.
0: So just a second, can I ask one question? Did he Wild Wormhole into that Skippy?
2: As I understand, yes, he Wild Wormhole. That's what I thought. Like, that was,
0: yeah, seriously. So, I mean, Dr. Cheap is so far ahead. Um, He's got got a board of, like, Shadow Self, Dodger next to Shadow Self. Like, you're in, like, prime position, because his deck does not have Amber control. Like, it's got very little Amber control. And, like, if you get that next turn where I think you had one last job in hand, if you were able to go shadows, reap with a bunch of dudes, fight with Dodger, and one last job up to, I don't know, like 14, 15 Amber, I think you've got it because you're already at one key at that point. But that Skippy time hog causing you to just skip a turn, like with your huge board that you drafted, was just so brutal. So,
2: you know, at that point I was kind of... Mimicry is around, so I was keeping an eye on his discard, and neither of his Control of the Weeks or resty Restagunt- Resty had come through. And looking at my deck, I had played very little Shadows, truthfully. So, there was no question that when his Guntas came down, it was going to hit my Shadows board. So, people, you know, like, after the games, a lot of people said they didn't think I should have played the one last job the way I did, but I also knew Save the Pack was coming, so my Shadow self wasn't going to live much longer. At that point, because of Skippy the Time Hog, I didn't have anything else to do, really. And as soon as Rastigantus came down, he's going to call Shadows. Those creatures are worthless because my Dominator Bobble's not on the board. So I figured instead of losing any value that one last job could have, I was going to take the Amber while it was good for the taking. And what I didn't do that turn was play my Speed signal Nexus because I couldn't use it because of Skippy. Yeah. Uh- so I sat that again because... Even with losing my shadows, I had a pretty big board. Yep. So my thought was, even if he drops the rest of Guntus down, I should have something left to call to fight it to go on. And if he tries to put down the Nepent Seed to go into control of the weak cycle, I have the answer in my hand. But it turns out he had enough to board clear me and drop rest of And that was game. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I redrew shadows. And, you know, so I was four shadows and one and one and my other one, so at that point, it was just, it was done.
0: A slow bleed, because he had the restrained gun on Shadows, and then he was controlling the week for the other house, so,
2: yeah. Yeah, I really thought I had enough board that I would have something left, but Yeah.
0: that
2: is not how that went.
0: It was so brutal. When he Wilder rolled into that skip, I was like, no, because, like, I could see, like, that line, like, not knowing that you had the one last job at that point, but after you played it on that following turn, I was like, man, if he could have went, because I think you had... Was it four Shadows creatures out? Three. three. Three Shadows Creatures. Okay, yeah. I mean, if you go up three Amber plus the one last job to steal him back down to zero. Like you're so far ahead. Cause I mean, I think you still got your second key off of that play.
2: Yeah, I think I was I think I had five amber to my third key at one point, but then he put down and he had a shaffles again. And those shuffles can do <laughs> yeah. so much work, uh, taking you off Amber. But I wonder if I would have went speed signal nexus into my one last job. Cause that would have been another one from last and another steal. If I, I'd have to go back and watch the stream, but it might've been just enough. Oh man. But oh. I was more worried about the control man. lockout. Cause I was only going to second key, not third key at that point.
0: Sure. Ah, it's a game of inches game of one yeah. card this way or one card that way and yeah that wild wild wormhole for skippy on that turn was huge for him like that just that was exactly what he needed to hit in that situation otherwise i think like we've said i think he could have bursted for it where he, like even if he does get his control lock i don't he just doesn't have the amber control really other than the shuffles i think
2: my my only other major misplays now that i'm thinking back is what i put him on when i had my control the week and he'd often had just played logos so I'd put him back on logos cause he doesn't, there's only like three logos creatures in that deck. So even at best, there's just not that much logo stuff. So I'm like, yeah, he's not going to be able to do much, but he always had the library of Babel and every game he would draw into a logos card. And One time it was dimension door while well, he had two guys down. So now he's reaping. Sure. Um, it's just he just always drew into something good where thinking back i probably should have kept putting him on disc because he was always trying to probably craft hand for disc so putting him on disc when he didn't want to play it may have been a much better choice but i was trying to push amber advantage because that's where my deck wins and i thought i could do it in logos and every time it bit me because the one time he had a library access and it just cycled and it's just just every time i tried he would still have a bunch of logos in his hand and
0: yep and get me with it oh yeah that seemed to be the thing like he just it seemed like the games he won and the one the games like he kind of dominated is he would build up that big logos hand do a big library access turn which would set up his big disc lockout and that was kind of the way it would kind of go for him and strong (laughs) very strong
1: I think that's the thing about that deck is like it's just asks a fundamentally different question from basically every other top deck in the field, or at least the ones I played against. So it's like you're not really prepared to fight that. Um, like, you know, if I had played it many, if I'd played a bunch of games against it, I probably would have known better. But like it's hard to get out of the mind frame of like, oh, I need to like make Amber and stop them from. You know, forging keys to like. I just have to do whatever I can to not get locked out of this game. And like you said, uh, Dan, other Dan <laughs> about like like not like it's functioning on two axes. Like you want to fight against the control the weak stuff and the restraining dentist. And it's just like it just poses so many difficult questions. I think you played amazingly in the final, for what it's worth. And like all these questions and plays are like subjective until you see what happens. So it's like, of course, like in hindsight, you know, you may have made a different decision. Like I would have made another decision, but like that doesn't mean that that was like objectively wrong at the time because you don't know like what you're going to draw, what they have in hand, so on and so forth.
0: Yep. So big congratulations to George for getting there twice, winning two different vault tours with the same deck. First time ever. Congratulations. Well played, sir. Um, It was, yeah, it was a blast watching all those games and just seeing the way he piloted that deck and just i mean after he beat jake he kind of had a pretty good idea of how the deck ran just because he piloted it really well and played it into that lock situation really really well and then yeah the final games gather so good so well done dr sheep slash other dan well played sir we were rooting so hard in the sanctimonious discord like we were just every every play was like yes yes yes, no (laughs) back and forth in the court it was a really really fun day so thank you Uh, it was really funny i joked with everybody before the weekend started i was like all right i want to have a vault tour champion on the podcast next week we almost got there we were so close so well done sirs well done george congrats on the win Uh, very well played and now um, final thoughts jake on just the vault tour experience um, I don't think we're going to get to the side events today, so we'll talk about team side events in a future episode.
1: Cool. Yeah, I think that's a good call. Um yeah, final thoughts. It was just an incredibly amazing experience. I want a big I posted a big sappy thing on the Facebook KeyForge group. Maybe you saw it, but like uh, truly everyone there was great. Like I just only had positive interactions with people. Uh, the whole weekend, like opponents, people between rounds, somebody recognized me by my voice when I was having a conversation with Alex. I was like, "Are you the guy from Sanctimonious?" Which is like an amazing, <laughs> like podcaster moment for me. Uh, so that was even before you know that was on Friday, I think. So I was like, "This weekend's already been amazing." Uh, Yeti Gaming ran an incredible event. Like it just everything was started on time. The judges, I mean, I'm biased because I know a lot of them personally, but like. I think Dan would agree like they, they were on top of everything. They were like preemptive about potential uh, mess ups in the top eight and they just did amazing uh, on a, like, a more personal note to uh, make top eight, uh, you know, or any top cut at an event. is just like really validating for what we're doing with this show. Um,
0: I'll have to try it sometime. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's funny because people ask like what I did to prepare, uh, and sure, like I played you know something like thirty, forty games with the deck I played, so that that definitely helped. But like really, a lot of it is just like talking with really good players, uh, picking up tips from. Alex Slotnick and Aurora uh, and you and just thinking about the game like on this podcast I really think contributed to my play this weekend so like if it worked for me I really hope it also is working for other listeners like a lot of people came up to me and even said things like oh I was thinking about your play mistakes episode and like I just won this round like it was really cool and incredible so it just makes me you know I, I obviously I feel like personally happy for the accomplishment but I think it really Speaks more generally to like this community and this show uh and everything else. So very, very rewarding. Great weekend. Like, could not be more pleased with the way it went.
0: Congratulations, sir. We're proud of you. We were so excited when we had. I just yeah, when you day two is like yes, yes. Like it's a good thing you didn't like scrub and go like two four or something and like people like unsubscribe on Patreon, <laughs> you know. So well, well done. Like that's my that's my job to scrub out of events. So. I'm glad that we have somebody that knows what they're doing uh Dan how final final thoughts from VT
2: uh, I'm really looking forward to more vault tours that was my fifth one I had been nice. to including two at gen con um, and it was so much better run than any of the cascade events I'm really looking forward to more of these under yeti like you said they were on top of keeping things on time uh coming into the final day they had a players meeting and they you know really expressed to us how they wanted us to draw cards and declare things and keep it clean so they could follow the games as well to make sure that the mistakes weren't happening
0: so is that why everybody drew with their cards on the table
2: yeah they they requested we did that and i figured while i was doing that if you don't look at them you can't give anything away yeah and it also keeps you focused on your opponent and you don't miss board state changes because sure. often, you know, that's one of those things you'll miss a key creature going down because so much is going on or you're looking at your own hand. So yep. Yep. I really went with the focus on what they're doing. Uh, my deck is truthfully easy enough to play that, <laughs> it, you know, there it isn't a combo deck. So it's, you know, just brute force it.
0: Perfect. Yeah. No, I noticed that everybody was drawing with their cards, like cards down, drawing them one at a time onto the table. And I was kind of wondering now that you said the the players mean that's very, very good on them. Cause yeah, it just, there's weird things if you draw an extra card and determining how to get rid of the extra card. There's been some interesting rulings in the past on how to determine which card gets shuffled back in. So that seems really good to do it that way. That way you can draw to your six. And if you weren't supposed to draw that last card, it just goes right back on top because you don't know what it is. Neither does your opponent. So, yeah, good good job, Yeti Gaming. We're excited to see where it goes forward. We loved the fact that top four was... Best of three, really, really, you know, makes that takes a little bit of that variance out of the the top four games. You get a chance to not just get hosed by a bad draw or just bad series or just high rolled. Like you get a chance to really get a shot at winning. But yeah, I think that does it. Thank you so much, Doctor Sheep slash Dan, for coming on with us today and talking about your experience. Congratulations on top twoing. That is an amazing accomplishment. Thank you. You're welcome, Jake. We're proud of you. You made it. You did us proud. So did you, Doctor Sheed. So did you, Ben the Monkey. So did everybody that played on that day. Yeah, we've. I, I just want to say, you guys, everybody in the cord, just that's in the inner sanctum. Like I get DMs and private messages from random people. They're just like, "Hey, I played this person from your guy like wearing your shirt, and it was like my favorite game of the day." Like I get so many of these messages. So that's just really truly a testament to. The caliber of people we have in the inner sanctum so thank you all as i get all mushy about this uh, (laughs) for just being such amazing people like it's been probably the best part of doing this podcast is the community the community team that we've built um so thank you for all being awesome
1: all right, well, this has been another episode of Sanctimonious. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back here again next week. Uh, this is Jake Friedman signing off. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at Jake Fried. That's at J-A-K-E-F-R-Y-D. Over to you,
0: Dan. All right, you can find me on Twitter and on Twitch at Dan is someone. D-A-N-I-S-S-O-M-E-1. Both things have kind of slowed down a little bit especially twitch with uh, the prince in the house but um yeah uh dr sheep is there any social medias that you would like to plug or anything you'd like to plug at this point
2: uh, just dr sheep on several of the discords and on tco That's the only place you'll find me
0: perfect archons of the crucible sanctimonious league season two has begun gather your triumvirate of archons and enter the crucible against your fellow knights battle hard Battle strong, grow in your knowledge of the format, and forge those keys.